All righty, welcome in Motown Rundown. It is November 2nd. Happy November, guys. A uh, little bit of a mixed emotion here for me coming in because I was riding the high on Saturday and then I was just thinking all night, gosh, I couldn't sleep Saturday night because I was just thinking if the Lions can get it done on Sunday. They're, they're, that was the recipe for the perfect weekend. Uh, and obviously, perfect they didn't get the job done. Huh? Yeah, the perfect weekend. The Spartans perfect. are winning, the Lions are winning. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't get the job done. But uh, before we move into Lions stuff and all things Detroit sports, as we do here on the Motown Rundown, we got to talk about Saturday. I apologize I couldn't come up, but after seeing all of the Snapchat stories of the pandemonium that occurred post-Michigan State victory, Probably good I wasn't in the area because anything COVID-related as far as precautions and best practices were thrown out the window and couches were on fire. You love to see it, but I need I need some thoughts. Ryan Collins, I'm sure you were the happiest guy in East Lansing on Saturday, I'm sure. I was very happy, very, very happy for the first time in a while. Like it, I don't know. I, I It's like mixed emotions because – you kind of wish that like, you could like go out and like get at, like really really after it with like everyone like CV yeah. or like go like Grand River Channing go green go white like my freshman year if you I mean Rabs you were up here for that I think oh yeah oh, I remember when they're just Channing go green go white like across, like across campus stuff like that but still it, it, nothing more satisfying to be Michigan they stink I hate Michigan I hate their guts and it was so nice to win the way that they did because Michigan State just flat out dominated in the whole game. And it was a great day. Great day. Beautiful day in East Lansing. It was beautiful, I think, in Ann Arbor, too. So it was a great day to be alive. Yeah, there's nothing quite like it. Um, I mean, I just love going on Twitter and seeing Jim Harbaugh complain about random stuff and all that. I mean, it, it's just satisfying because this is the type of – this is how college football works. There's no Super Bowl. I know there's a national championship, but it's like take the victories in your season as they come. We don't have to play Michigan for another 365 days. So that's the deal. That's why you're excited. That's why you're happy. You get to bask in this for a year. You get to rub Michigan fans' faces in it for a year. And it was fantastic. And Michigan State dominated Michigan College. You said it. Michigan's not that good. Everyone knows now. They got their pants pulled down low-key. It's great stuff. I think the thing thing that made it awesome for me – and everyone, most people know this about my, my dark past of being raised a Michigan fan. But as I always say, like, I used to, like, wipe my to boogers see that. on the ground. Like, I used to, like, wipe my boogers on the ground and, like, put Play-Doh in my mouth and stuff, too, as a kid. So everyone grows up. But it was satisfying as I've now made the complete switch starting my freshman year at Michigan State. The fact that Michigan State was, like, a, I think the line closed at, what, 21 and a half? But even Michigan State fans were like, oh, there's absolutely no way Michigan State wins. And I was already, to be be completely transparent, I was conceding defeat to my friends. And I was, like, begging and pleading, like, this isn't the year to pick on me. Like, we know, like, it's a new coach, new regime. Like, let 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 him get his guys in, and then we'll talk in, like, three years. So all things considered, and you get typical Michigan narrative, and, again, I can speak to it because I was a part of it for many years of my life. They play one game, and I got to hear 
like the Joe Milton is like squeaking into the Heisman talks only even though he only threw for 225 yards against Minnesota. And then you watch Minnesota have a huge letdown game against Maryland. They're also missing half their team because of COVID. That's neither here nor there. Um, and just the typical Michigan narrative of like Michigan fans in Michigan thought that this was going to be the year that they were going to get it done because it's like an asterisk year and you got the COVID, and, like, this was their end. Like, they were going to – they thought they were going to squeak one out. And, and like, Mike Valenti said it perfectly at 97-1, which you always love listening to Mike at coming off of a Michigan State victory over Michigan. But you know Michigan fans were, like, praying in the back of their minds, like, oh, if Ohio State just can get the COVID bug at the right time and we don't have to play them. So the bottom line here for me is I, I think this was a good lesson for kids all in America of just – it doesn't matter what people say about you or if they pick on you or they tell you you're not good enough or you're this and you're that. You still got to show up and try your best and play the game. And unfortunately for the University of Michigan and especially their football program, which is reflective of their school, you get told at Michigan just because you put the jersey on, you're better than everyone else. You don't have to watch film. You don't have to – the Joe, the Joe Milton press conference after the game where he's like, oh, I don't know who Antoine Simmons is. It was just – it was chef's kiss just to completely sum up that program and why they're just as mediocre as they are. Because you're told there, just because you throw the jersey on and you got the, you got the Jordan sponsorship and because they split a national championship in 97 and they were really good during World War II, that's, that's like what Michigan – that's who they are. Like that's we're, – we're, we're better than you because we are and we don't have to do anything to prove it. And Michigan State, you know, it's like, hey, we're all in this together. Mel had the boys ready. They were fired up. And they went out and they, like, they, they led the game wire to wire as a 21-and-a-half point underdog. And it was just so perfect. It was the perfect Sunday or perfect Saturday. It made Halloween great. I treated myself with eating way too much candy. I'm still not feeling great after all the candy I ate this weekend. And then, like you said, Trent, for the next 364, however many days, until the next game, you have bragging rights. And I get to walk around the aisles of Kroger and Meyer, no free ads, but I get to walk around my community, and every time I see someone with one of those, with one of those Walmart Michigan shirts on, I just you know give them a little smile when you're when you're wearing the Spartan logo on your chest. How are you? It was just funny. It was just laugh out loud funny. It was. It was, it was, <laughs> it was pure comedy, and there is no better feeling than that. And it's kind of funny though, and this can like transition us into Detroit sports. So the, the the day of Saturday, you're just all like nagging, chirping and stuff. And then that Sunday, you're like at noon, 12.30, and then you're like in the group chat with all your friends from Michigan, Michigan State. You're like, okay, boys, now it's time to lock in for the Lions. Like, yeah, let's yep. put all the differences aside for about <laughs> three hours, and then I'll send you some more mean Snapchats and memes after the game. But for these three hours, let's be on the same team. It's kind of funny. Yep, uh, I guess we can roll it. Do you want to do, do Lions, or we have, we do have some Tigers news, too, to talk about. What do we want to do? I, let's just talk Lions first. I want to get it out of the way. All right. They look like I, they were so bad. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it out of the way. Uh, Lions game on Sunday, losing to the Colts 41-21 to at home. Uh, some quick stats for you. Matthew Stafford, 24 for 42 through the air, 336 yards. Three touchdowns, one interception. They went back the other way for six. Uh, Marvin Hall led all receivers – or, I'm sorry, well, Lions receivers. I have no idea what Colts receivers were doing. Uh, four catches, 113 yards for Marvin Hall. 
Love to see it. Um, of course, in that game, Kenny Galladay was out pretty early in the game with a hip injury, who it now sounds like he's going to be on the IR. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but let's talk about the game itself. Uh, whoever wants to start, by all means, you have my blessing. Um, I'll just say this. I mean, offensive play calling is becoming an issue for this team. Yep. And, and it wasn't for a very long time. Like, they, I, I thought it was a strong point last year. It's just I, – I, I don't know what they're doing. I just un, don't understand. And I, I, I'm not – I don't want to do it again. But I, carry on and DeAndre Swift have to play more. They just have to. And we're not – you know what? We're not going to dissect it anymore because we talked about it every single week. Just it's, We're literally just talking in circles about it. But the offensive play call was terrible. Stafford made two horrible plays – that basically put the game out of reach for the Lions. So, I, I mean, it was offense this week. And, and I'm not saying the defense played especially great. They didn't. But when you have opportunities, you take a rip. That was a rip. That fumble by Stafford was almost worse than the pit sets to me, if that makes any sense. Because that, that was just so careless and so unlike Stafford, where he could have got that ball out, or he could have he been like, okay, let's just eat it. And he takes that fumble, and it kind of just changed the whole dynamic of the game. They were flat, too. And Rabs and Trent in our group chat, you were saying you wanted Prater out. He misses a field goal that extremely affected the mindset of the game. I'm not ready to give up on him. I mean, you might, but just in general, this team took a big step back. This was a step back. An opportunity against a good team, and they didn't look ready. Yeah, it was extremely – I mean, it was a letdown, to say the least. Everyone knows that. But beyond just that, I mean, you guys talked about the offensive play calling. I'm sure, Rabs, you're going to have a boatload of things to say about that because you've been on that wave all year. I am not so much there. I just think it's one problem, and it's that you're handing the ball off on first down every single time up the middle with Adrian Peterson. Not only are you not getting creative on first down, you're not even giving it to the right guy if that's what you want to do. It needs to be swift or carry on, bar none, but you guys already mentioned that. So here's the deal. I am content, as I was week one, blaming this loss on Stafford because I know that you said, Collins, I agree, uncharacteristic turnovers. That pick six was really bad, but I would agree the fumble was almost worse. Because before that, leading up to the fumble, that was maybe the best drive the Lions have put together all day or getting everybody involved, even without Kenny in the game at that point. And I will say this. I was a little encouraged by the work that the Lions did in the past game, even without Kenny. Marvin Hall made made a couple great catches. Uh, TJ Hawkinson seems to be getting the ball even more with Kenny out. Marvin Jones is so reliable. I don't care what anyone says. I don't know why certain people want this guy traded. If the Lions trade Marvin Jones, I'm probably going to quit on this season. I think that would be the worst move you could possibly make right now. And they won't now that Kenny's on IR probably or is going to be on IR. But those were conversations people were having, which are absolutely ridiculous to me. But, look, I was not extremely discouraged by the defense. Collins, you mentioned, I don't think they really played awful. It's just the fact that Phillip Rivers just picked you apart and, and, and played, you know, you never know what you're going to get from the guy. He gave you one of his good games today. Molly no. Cox just absolutely ripped apart this team. Next week, Phillip Rivers is probably going to throw three picks and like a touchdown and maybe get benched in the fourth quarter of a, of a blowout loss just to not, not get him hurt. You don't know what you're ever going to get from the guy. 
The Lions are now 0-3 at Ford Field. I can't remember. I think the last game the Lions won at Ford Field was October 27th of last year against the Giants. That is ridiculous. you got to get a win here. I don't even know when the next – the Vikings game next week. Is that at Minnesota or is that here? Minnesota. So Okay, so you're not even going to get a chance to, to win at home for another two weeks at least. And it, I, I don't have a whole lot to say. I don't want it to was, – it was bad. It was bad because you were at 3-3, three and three and we all talked about how there's all this excitement surrounding this team. And if the Lions were to win against the Colts, you're able to buy in, and you can't blame anybody for buying in. No, I'm not out. I'm not out necessarily. But you just lost all the pull you had. You lost all the momentum. Because if you go to 4-3 and three and you beat a good Colts team, then you can roll into the rest of the season and you can say, hey, we're on a three-game heater here. You know, like we can make some things happen. And now, now it's a complete 180. You lost to the Colts in a bad way. I mean, they, they crushed us pretty much. You know, the Lions were never really in it other than, you know, the, the, seven, the going up 7-0. But it unraveled so quickly. Now you've got Kenny Galladay hurt. You've got Trey Flowers hurt. And it's just it, it, you're still banged up in the secondary. It's just pretty discouraging. That's all I got to say about it, really. My my one big note that I had on here that Ryan Collins pretty much took out of my mouth was I just this is this to me was a monumental step back for this team. I mean, looking at the game, I felt that the Lions were just dominated at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They gave up five sacks. So yeah, with Stafford's interception, who I think was pretty inexcusable. I don't know if he just – whoever returned the ball back for the pick six, like he, he saw him, he didn't see him. Just a bad throw into to a guy that was already covered as it is without the, without the extra help coming in to pick the ball off. Um, the fumble was horrible too, changed the entire momentum, momentum of the game. And there were just little things throughout the game that I don't want to do the SOL routine, but like the Danny Shelton penalty, which I thought was stupid oh, because they threw the they threw oh, the flag. That was they so threw bad. the flag. They threw the flag five minutes after the hit. But I knew I just had I, I watched this team so much over the years. I knew when the whistle blew, and I'm going like, let him go, let him go, let him go. And they just had to drag him down. And then the big fight breaks out. Not a fight, but the skirmish breaks out. And Danny Shelton's, like, already on the sidelines getting his oxygen mask. And then the flag comes in because the refs are like, oh, gee, like, we probably should have thrown one there. So that, to me, was like a stupid flag. But even so, that uh, – and then then you get – right after you get the uh, running running into the receiver on the fair catch, which was stupid, too. Oh, and it just, just, just – things just compiled – to the point where, you know, the Lions, to their credit, I mean, you missed the field goal going into halftime, which, which, was, which was ridiculous. And, look, Matt Prater's hit some big, big kicks for you. I just think at 35, 36 years old, you might want to consider shaking his hand at the end of this year and going with someone else who's a bit fresher and who is more consistent accuracy-wise. But even, even still, the Lions did fight back to make it 20-14, to 14, so they were in the game. I, I just, to me – you guys hit the nail on the head with the play calling. They abandoned the run like immediately. And it was a combination of the fact that you couldn't get any push up front. As I said, you completely lost the line of scrimmage in both the rushing and the passing game. But I mean, Adrian Peterson, five carries, DeAndre Swift, six carries. Agnew had your best run of the day, one carry for 11 yards. Stafford had a 10 yard run. Like it's just comical for, for a team that, that, that is so 
hell-bent on handing the ball off to Adrian Peterson 12 to 15 times a game, which is ludicrous. And I think I texted you guys during the game, like once the Lions were down and out, there was no reason for him to be on the field anymore. I mean, I didn't use him very often, which I actually appreciated, but you still have to try to establish the wrong the run and run the ball. I mean, with DeAndre Swift and carry on Johnson, do you think he could break something open? Um, but they never did. And I just, I, I think that the Daryl Bevel era in Detroit, his, this is what, his second year or his third year? Second. Well, I just, right last now. year, I, I felt like the offense was just a lot more creative. You get different looks. And I have to, a lot of that to blame on beating the dead horse of, you roll out Adrian Peterson every week like it's some Hall of Fame like charity tour for this guy, and it's ridiculous. You completely limit the playbook because you refuse to play DeAndre Swift, and thank God Carryon Johnson got himself a receiving touchdown because I don't know how that guy hasn't walked upstairs and demanded a trade yet because I know I would. So it was just it was just pathetic. I mean, losing losing Galladay hurt. The team looks completely different on the field without him. You're not going to have Flowers going forward. No Desmond Trufant still. Wait, I'm glad they paid that guy to play what, one game for us so far. Coleman, it was nice to see. Coleman was like on IR, then he was off IR this week. And then he like was out, and then he got upgraded yeah. to active. And he what was going horrible. on with Decker, too? Well, I, I don't was, know. Like, Decker's hurt all of a sudden. No, no, no. But like, they were like, out. Decker's inactive. And then, was and then Trent. Yeah, ESPN false reported it. He was playing all day. They just said well, that, and then like Vitai like got hurt too or something. His foot that's been bothering him all year. Um, and, and then to me, the the one you guys talked about the defense wasn't that bad. It, it is. It is Ben. Don't break. Our the linebacking core for this it's team so bad. is so slow and, and bad. so bad. Reggie Ragland looks like the best. Guess what? We're not in 2002 anymore. Let's get some guys who are hybrid safeties slash linebackers who can cover. No one one can cover. I think think Reggie Ragland might be the best linebacker. I'm serious. The best linebacker on the team. Like, he's played the best so far this year. I mean, if if I'm the Vikings next week, my game plan is drop back to pass and dump every ball out into the flat and let your running backs just run wild because this team ain't stopping shit in the flat or over the middle. Like I don't like it seemed like Mo Ali Cox had like ten catches That's for hundred yards. I mean he had he only had like three balls for thirty seven, but he's just like every time they threw to him, he was just wide open. It was just so. Bad, and, and you want to talk about as we as we discussed last week of this being a, a springboard game for this team, and everyone's devaluing your Falcons win because you barely squeaked it out, and they made mistakes that you capitalized on, and you didn't deserve to win the game. You did deserve the, to win the game, whatever. You beat a bad Jacksonville team, and you have a somewhat decent win against Arizona. Here's your chance, Lions. Here's your chance, Matt Patricia. Let's show a sign of life and some momentum and that you got your team prepared to play. And they just looked horrible. Like they lost by 20 points. And I get it towards the end, you know, the wheels kind of fell off. And I just think they, they, they lost all sense of fight, to be honest with you, after like the 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter. After the pick six, you knew the game was just was over, which was sad. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean – we can, I, we can, I guess we can start to move on. I know we, we didn't talk to, oh, one, two things I want to mention too. Uh, we should talk about Everson Griffin because that trade happened after we recorded our podcast. I know Trent, you had a, you put out another T-Bell's take about that. So I'll, I'll spin it to you uh, when the time comes. 
here's my other thing. Bo Scarborough, like, thanks for coming. What the hell? Like, they just cut the guy this week. Like, out of nowhere, the guy comes back off of IR, doesn't is hurt all of training camp, isn't even active for the first six weeks of the season, and they shake his hand and, and tell him, thanks for coming out for your cup of coffee because we got 36-year-old Adrian Peterson that we're going to run like he's like Emmett Smith. It's unbelievable. So I think, I that's think, all I got. I, I think he's going to be signed back to the practice squad. That's what I Oh, someone should pick him up. I mean, that's just, just comical. How many running backs are on the roster? Three? Yeah, three or four. Uh, my other – listen, I want to mention one more thing about the Colts game because and, – and, and it's not really anything out of the ordinary that you guys have already mentioned, but just the offense was so – I mean, you got nothing all day. The block punt is the only reason you had – you know, you jumped out to a lead. And, and, and other than that, I mean, there was one good drive after that, and it was actually, I guess, two good drives, and it was thanks to, what, a 60-yard bomb to Marvin Hall, and then the other one ended in, you know, you stalled out because Stafford fumbled the ball. So I just think, you know, the offense, you guys talked about Bevel, it's just got to be better. You got to mix it up a little more. I love seeing Jesse James get involved. Uh, it's just it doesn't happen enough for the amount you pay that guy. But just run more two tight end sets. Get a little creative. Throw the ball to – you know, let, stop, stop healthy scratching Quintez Cephas. Let him get a couple – throw him a bone maybe once, you know. I actually don't understand that. He looked good week one. I don't I know. know. They just keep healthy scratching him every week. It's like, hey, how about you healthy scratch Jelani Tavai one time because he stinks. Like, oh, I, I, he's been so bad this year. He's so slow. That's his problem. I, I, I have I thought... to guy to stop the run. That's what, it, it's what he's supposed to – I have faith in him to do that, but he's so damn slow, dude. He can't get downfield. Is it crazy, or when we drafted him, and I know we used him inside last year, and he was actually not terrible oh, last year for a rookie. Better than I thought the whole thing was that they were going to put him outside to be a pass rusher. That Wasn't that the plan originally? All I know is originally, I, maybe, but I know that originally they were not going to use him. Yeah, he's not necessarily – he's not going to drop back in coverage. He's yeah, a, he's an inside guy. I don't know what's going on with that. Yes, he's oversized. They, sh- they should. I don't know what they want to do. They should keep him inside, let him stop the run behind Shelton. And that's literally your only job, dude. Like, if someone has to drop back in coverage, let it be Jared Davis, even though, you know, he's not great at it, but he's at least quicker and more athletic. Or, you know, let, let Christian Jones try to rush the quarterback. Don't don't make Jelani Tabai do all that shit. He's got to just stop the, 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 the way – and, Collins, that's a great point because – that, that just brings me back to this. The way that these players are being utilized on the defensive side of the ball, because the scheme stinks as it is. We know that. We've been on the fire Patricia wagon for weeks now, but it's just like the way these guys are being used is not right. Jared Davis should only be on the field to basically do one thing, and that's get to the quarterback. Is he even playing, though? I don't even see him. Oh, no, he doesn't anymore. play. That's what I'm saying. He plays special teams a lot, though. He plays special teams, and he gets like 14 snaps a game on defense. It's It's – Ridiculous. Christian Jones should not be dropping back in coverage on tight ends. 40 yards. Whoa. They just I, love doing that. I don't yeah, understand Jamie that Collins at all. Too. Jamie Collins, you too. should not be running man-to-man when you've got Okuda, Daryl Roberts out there as your cornerbacks. You get what I'm saying? It's repetitive. It's a broken record. We say it every week. The way these guys are being used on defense is ridiculous. And, yes, the defense might not have been horrible last week, this week against the Colts, but it's one – the Colts still put 41 on you, you know. I know Stafford's responsible for seven of them, 
but still, you got to do a little better than that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, they just sort of bit step back. I, I'm still not going to say because I mean I don't know if you guys saw that report. There's a possibility that there could be eight teams in each division. I mean each conference getting into the playoffs now. Chris Mortensen reported that like an hour and a half ago as we record this on Monday night, but. They, I like, I think yesterday showed you like best case scenario, they go like nine and seven, eight and eight, get into the playoffs and just lose. And I hope that's not enough. I'm just going to say that now. And I've been saying it the past couple of weeks. I hope that's not enough. Because if that's enough for Patricia to stay here and for Quinn, I, one of them's got to go. I mean, and not one, I mean, Patricia has to go. And then I, you can make your decision about Quinn. Well, can I ask you guys this about Quinn? I mean, because I was thinking about this today, right before we just started recording. I thought he was absolutely fine, borderline great with Caldwell. Like, the moves they made in those years, you know, when it's not all these expatriates and you're drafting guys like uh, – was wait, no, Ragnall was uh, – was Patricia, whatever. You're drafting Taylor Decker. You're drafting Ashawn Robinson. Those are the guys that Quinn was picking with – Jim Caldwell. Now all of a sudden you got Patricia in here, and it feels like, yeah, Rabs, you always talk about it. It's damn near a prerequisite that you played for the Patriots if you want to be a Detroit Lion. Like, I, I, do you guys think that has anything to do with it, or do you think Quinn's just I, I mean, idea? with Caldwell, I think it was more they – I mean, the free agent moves they made, I think, in the last like, couple of years of Caldwell were all pretty – they didn't really go out and make a splash on really anyone. I mean – who I mean, I'm trying to think. Maybe Devon Kennard yeah. was even. I don't even think he was a. He wasn't a Caldwell. I mean, Marvin Jones. That's by the way, why did they let go Devon Kennard? He's a. He, he's been good this year. For I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I digress. I mean, the the moves they made to go to like the three four steam when you had a four three steam team ready to roll like the next like the cut Kerry Hyder like we understand he was coming off a knee injury. He's literally starting for the San Francisco Giants. Anthony Zettel, I don't know where he's at now, but coming into that. I don't, I, I don't know if Zettel, I mean. Well, when they I, caught him, it, I remember it was a head scratcher because the year before he was actually pretty productive. But I, Yeah, I, I don't know. They And it's, it's literally with Quinn, it's been the big moves. Like he's found values in the middle to late rounds. He just, the free agent signings have been bad. And the first-round picks have been a little head-scratching. I'm not going to call T.J. Hodgson a bad player. I think he's – they use him a lot in the offense now, which I actually kind of respect. Like, he, he, he is a main vocal point. He's the clear second option in the passing game now. But you, you haven't really hit bid with any of your bid free agent moves or your first-round picks so far. So I, I, I think that's what has really – kind of got people off the twin bandwagon. And when Jim Caldwell was there, they were actually winning. So it's not like they had top 10 picks. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm not giving up on Jeff Okuda. I'm not saying that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you haven't had, like, a media day one this season. Like, Kenny Galladay has been their big hit, which is, I mean, finding value for, I mean, a wide receiver like that in the third round, it's a fantastic pick. I'm not saying that. I'm just – the free agency moves have been horrible, like to say the least, horrible. Cool. Who have they brought in from free agency who has been in legit peace since Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn have been together? 
Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell like you. Like, no one. And especially, I mean, it's the guys like Jesse James that you pay all this money to and Rick Wagner who just come in. Jesse and, James got a ball this week. What a well, surprise. Yeah, I love when they get him involved. But you bring in these guys, they either don't get used or they stink. But here's – here's you, you reminded me one thing I want to say about Okuda. I know he's getting better every week and he's looking better. He only allowed, I think, two catches for 26 yards or something along those lines against the Colts. But, my God, dude, at some point I need to see a pass breakup. I need to see, like, something. I know the interception against the Cardinals was great. But, I mean, there was one play yesterday. I forget who he was, guard, who he was covering. I mean, it was, a, it was a perfect ball. The receiver just dropped it. And they gave him credit for a, for a pass breakup. I'm like, I, I'm not sold on that. I just – I like Okuda, I do, but this is the this is the point in the season that we're getting to. We're like halfway through, and I really can't point to that much of what he's done. And maybe that's just maybe that's just either he's not getting thrown at enough, or they're running too much zone, or what, as they should probably. But that's just that's just one thing I want to bring up. We got to keep an eye on that going forward because Jeff Okuda to me really has not made much of an impact on this team. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. He was the third overall pick. That's the thing, and we all talked about this at the draft. He's probably the right pick, but we all entertained the thought of other guys because we thought that those guys, you know, your, your, your Simmons and Derek Brown, those guys could come in here and make more of an immediate impact. That kind you of know, I, now, that I, now that I think about it, Trent, and again, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to jump on the train of like Jeff O. It was a horrible pick, this and that. Right. Because no, I don't I – Because don't, cornerback – yeah, yeah. I don't care. I don't care if you're picked – number one or number two overall, wherever you're picked, I, I think there is definitely a learning curve in any sport for a guy to come in and one, learn the system, two, adjust to the speed of the game, all these things considered. But I agree. And, and looking, looking back to this draft, I think a lot of the thought process for Bob Quinn when he took Okuda was that he was probably thinking like, one, Obviously, they didn't want to pay Slay, which was fine. And I, I still, to this day, will defend the move because, like we were talked about, I think, last week, they wanted to use the money to put together more pieces on defense as opposed to putting all the money into one guy. And I think that Bob Quinn thought in his mind, Jeff Okuda is going to be the missing piece to take over for Slay, and this defense is going to be fine. But the bottom line is, they don't have any playmakers on defense. I would rather right now have an Isaiah Simmons or a Derek Brown or someone that actually makes an impact on the defense because this defense is so meh. It's like it's comical. I think it was just a complete oversight by Bob Quinn thinking that he had something with this defense that he just hasn't. And back to your point about about us being critical of Quinn or does if you know does Quinn have to go as a Patricia whatever I I think this this game for me just showed me that your coach just never never quite has these guys prepared to have like I look at I'll compare it to the Michigan Michigan State game Mel Tucker has been with this football team for 10 minutes and had them fired up enough to go out and beat a Michigan team that was ranked 13th on the road in, in a game that they had no business winning as a 21 and a half point underdog Matt Patricia's never going to win you a game like that these guys were they were flat they were flat. They looked dead. There was no energy, no emotion. The block punt was great because they never do stuff like that. But the bottom line is I have no faith in this guy to go out and win you games against a, against a team that's, a, that's a, even an a echelon above where you are. I would put the Colts like a, a, a 
touch above the Lions as far as what they bring to the table, and you just can't win those games. So I, I think it, the mindset has switched from Bob Quinn trying to put together a team that he wanted Jim Caldwell to coach versus now he's giving Matt Patricia the guys that Matt Patricia wants to coach. And, and it just hasn't worked. Like, I, I, I honest to God, the, the more and more I watch this team, I don't know what coach could come in here with this roster, especially on defense, and, like, be, like, unstoppable. Like, there's no – they have no speed. There's no playmakers. Okuda has not looked good at all to me. He's always day late, dollar short behind the play, and it's just bad. And, like, I, again, I'm not throwing the towel in on the season because they're three and four, and, I mean – uh, typical too, like in a week that the Packers lose and the Bears lose, you just can't win the game and and, and take a step above. And you're now going to see a Vikings team that has shown some life with Dalvin Cook back in the, back in the lineup. I don't know who, how you're supposed to stop Dalvin Cook. The guy had four touchdowns so and and had over 200 something yards all purpose or whatever. This last, so so what what's your answer? Because if they throw him out in the backfield to go catch a ball as a check down back, you have no one out there to cover him, and you can't stop the run. They actually didn't do a horrible job of stopping the run this week, but it just it was back to the old ways of like every handoff on first down was like guaranteed five yards. It was just stupid. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we want to transition to offense or anything. I, I don't really have much more to say about this team. I mean, it was a bit step back. Yep. And my confidence for this team – I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of it, but I did think that they would win this game. I said that. And I also thought they'd be able to move the ball efficiently. And the, I don't know. The offense just looked out of rhythm the whole game. I thought Stafford played well in the first half. And then in the second half, he made the two big mistakes that kind of hindered their opportunity to get back into the game. I'm going to completely blame the loss on him. But those are probably the two most crucial plays that kind of just changed the tone of the game. They – if Galladay's going to be out for a while, like it seems like, I mean, Marvin Jones played a little bit better this week. He, I think, probably had his best game of the year. They better find a way to run the football efficiently in the next couple of weeks. And I don't know, and, and I don't want to talk about the running back situation. And whoever you put out there, figure out a way to run the football. Lions are also working out Mohamed Sanu. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I think saw he's, that, yeah. I think they're going to end up signing him. He's good friends with Marvin Jones. He's experienced. He's a good route runner. So why not just bring him in for a couple of games? I mean, like, he could absolutely help your team. Give Quint Cephas a couple more routes on the route tree. Dude, you know? why? I don't know why Cephas doesn't play. Well, I think he will now. I mean, he, he's always a help because of just depth reasons. And Marvin Hall should – Marvin Hall should also get more, you know – Marvin Hall has not caught a pass inside 10 yards in his whole career. I, I me know. And my friend, me and my friends were talking about that. They're the only routes they have for him is to sprint. Sprint, you know, Marvin, and then figure it out. Go big or go home with Marvin Hall. But yeah. one thing I want to mention, and then we can move on to the, to the uh, Vikings game, unless you guys have anything else to say. Uh, Rams, you, you said something interesting earlier. There are no playmakers on defense. You're correct. You know who your best playmaker is of the guys you got? Romeo Okwara. Let that yes. guy needs that Legend. guy needs to play 100% of the snaps because that I, he consistently gets in the backfield whether it's a little late or or he forces the throw a little early or he gets to the quarterback or it's a tackle for a loss whatever he's all over the place he's always overachieved here in Detroit considering what he's getting paid and that was the guy you know to bring it back to the Zettel point he was the guy that that apparently won the won the battle with Anthony Zettel on Patricia's first year here so I. Absolutely commend him. He needs to get 100% of snaps on defense, seriously. Especially now with Trey Flowers out for at least three games. 
you have to let Romeo Juarez run wild. You got to try something. Trent, do you want to touch on Everson Griffin real quick before we move into the picks? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I said before, you know, the Colts game on my little video series, it's just like I like the move for a number of reasons. Obviously, he's a veteran, and he brings you a little bit of, a little bit of flair. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but he's played pretty well with the Cowboys, and he hasn't even started a single game this season. So uh, he's just kind of a rotational piece. Now, here's the thing. We'll talk about this later when we get into the picks, but coming into this Vikings game, I think he's got a pretty good opportunity to please the fans here and become a fan favorite early because he's probably going to start now with Trey Flowers out. But as far as what he brings you, I mean, he's athletic as hell. He's big. He's strong. And also this move just showed you at three and three, which the Lions were at that point when they made that deal, you're just still – you believe in the season. You're, you're still trying to add more and re-up. You know, we saw the Steelers make a move yesterday. We're seeing the 49ers make moves. You know, these teams that believe they got a chance, they're trying to buy in. And Collins, you're exactly right about the 18 playoff thing. You know, even if the Lions, the writing's on the wall and they get bounced early, bad, whatever, it's just they're going for broke. Because I think Bob Quinn does understand if we don't make the playoffs, I'm probably out of here. I think Matt Patricia does understand if we don't make the playoffs, I'm out of here, even though we should be regardless. So Everson Griffin, I'm excited to watch him against Minnesota, against his former team. I actually really am. He knows the NFC North. He just he's a he's a pro's pro. All the stuff he was saying before the you know before or immediately after getting traded on his way over to Detroit was just the kind of stuff fans love on Twitter. Yeah. He's fired up. He's excited. He's he's hungry and he's a pro. And that I guess that, that that all sounds like coach speak, but I really do think he's gonna make a difference. I actually do. I think it's a great move because if you look at the guys the Lions actually have on the outside of the D line. I mean, we just talked about Okwara. We raved about him. Other than that, I mean, especially now with Trey Flowers hurt, it's him. It was nice to see Deshaun Hand get in there today, but he's a rotational guy. He usually plays in the middle of the line, actually. And same thing, you know, Austin Bryan, I don't know if he's ever going to be healthy again his entire career. So it's just Everson Griffin, it's a big hole that I think is going to get filled, and we're going to see it this week. Well, I think so- he's going to be more of a third-down specialist. And I said this right after the move. I just hope they run a little bit more 4-3 type of schematic stuff instead of playing Christian Jones and Romeo Cora and dropping those guys back into coverage. I would appreciate just four guy, four down linemen just rushing every once in a while, especially when you have Everson Griffin, where that's like his specialty. So, I, I mean, it was a good move. You need more pass rushers. Might as well get them for cheap. Go ahead. I like the move. It's smart. But, so I mean, it, it, it's it's no – yeah. It's he's got a higher ceiling. I mean, it's not Everson Griffin of the Vikings. It's just not like him in his prime. It's just that's not the player he is anymore. But he can still get after the quarterback, and he can still be a good rotational lineman, which the Lions do desperately need. It's just also comical to me how people are complaining that the Lions gave up a conditional sixth round pick. No one is guy. complaining. What are you? Yes, they are, dude. Who you is? Gotta, you got to open up Twitter more often. What, what Twitter are you listening to? The, the Twitter that the, your anonymous? Lions fans are on. No, the Twitter that your Lions fans are on and the people that call into the, the 97-1 they want to complain about, oh, like why are they getting rid of, of draft capital to get a guy when they're not going to make a run in the playoffs? Those people are out there. Don't tell me they're not because you know they are. Yeah, but uh, I win. don't think there's any rational people. person who's like, man, we really needed that sixth-round pick. Like, there's no rational human being who says that. Whatever. You're out there. 
Um, all right, let's do picks. Let's, uh, we can roll it into uh, our analysis for the Vikings game coming up. Lions at Vikings on Sunday, 1 o'clock p.m. Um, first of all, I need to clear something up for the picks because I hand up, made a mistake. I know last week when we talked, everyone was very confused about what we had for the over-under. I went back and listened to it, and you got Trent. I believe you're the one that brought it up. I don't know what the score was that we had. for. I think for the Falcons game, what happened was is we might have had overs. I think all of us had overs. Yeah, and it went under. I said that we had and it went under. So, hand up. Going into last week's podcast, I was not 12-0, but 11-1. So, the streak ended, and I didn't even know it, it had ended. I thought it did. I, I thought we talked about this last week. No, well, what no? What happened was is again I was accused of of fudging the numbers. No one went back and listened, but I was I was completely confident that I was ten and zero. I knew I was ten and zero going into the uh, going into the Falcons game, and then we complete. I completely screwed up what I listened to on the podcast before that because I had all of us taking the under and getting it right, when we actually all had the over. So I said I was twelve and zero last week, but I was really eleven and one. And now with this game this week, I lost both both picks this week to move to eleven and three. I think Trent went two and zero. He's now at eight and six, and Collins, you're at seven and seven. So Ryan Collins at well, the I, I didn't go two and zero because the Lions got blown out. I'm sorry, yeah, you went one and one, but you were two and zero the week before. That's what happened. All right, so that's the leaderboard. Um, Collins, I'll start with you. Um, the number. For this week, the Vikings are a four-point favorite. The total is 53-and-a-half. Give us your analysis and lock the pick in for us. Can you get, give, me, give me the line again. Sorry, I was looking at my phone. Not to – not to, just to completely disrespect you on the podcast right Thank there. You. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, Vikings are a four-point favorite. 53-and-a-half is the total. I, I, it feels like a must-win. But, I mean – the Lions cannot stop the run. And how are you going to stop Delvin Cook? So I, I think this game's going to go under. And there's, I think the Vikings are trying to take the air out of the game. I think Stafford plays better this week. But I'll take the Vikings. I just – this Lions team is not good against the run. And I, I think Kirk Cousins – I mean, Kirk Cousins doesn't have to do that much when Delvin Cook's going to run for 150 – and maybe have 200 all-purpose yards that he did against the Green Bay Packers, who have a much better defense than the Detroit Lions. So I, I'm going to take the Vikings. I, I, and like I said, I mean, the defense wasn't great, but they weren't the worst part of that loss against the like, Colts. It was just like that three-phase loss, like all three phases of the game you're outplayed. I just, I, that's just a really bad matchup, I think, for the Lions, because I, the Vikings offensive line has been great this year, but – they they can run block like that's that's one thing they can kind of do. So I I like the Vikings. I know I'm gonna look like an idiot for saying this, but Collins, I think you just totally oversold the Vikings. I think they're awful. I think they played the best game they possibly could have played last. Yeah. I re- no, I really don't think they're good. I think Delvin Cook went healthy. Yes, is like a top five back in the league, obviously, but I don't think the Vikings are good as a team. I really don't, and I I, I struggle with saying that if the Lions lose this week, the season's over just because of the schedule. The schedule, the schedule, the schedule, the schedule. I say it every week. I know I don't care. I won't do it again. But the thing is, it's like, yeah, this probably is as close to a must-win as the Lions have had so far with the exception of week three against Arizona. You have to get back to 500. 
with the injuries, it's going to be tough. No Kenny Galladay. The offense looks completely different. We all know that. But look, I th- this this Vikings secondary is bad. This Vikings defense is bad. Kirk Cousins is pedestrian. Delvin Cook, obviously really, really good, but this team is built to stop the run. They haven't really done it consistently, but they've shown you flashes. They did it against Atlanta. They did it against Jacksonville. So my thing is this. It's very simple. If you stop Delvin Cook, you will win the game comfortably, comfortably, because the Vikings are not a good team. And that's my bottom line. I look for Everson Griffin to have a very big game. What a debut game for the Lions he could have against his old team. That would be awesome. And I just really, I believe in Stafford. You know, Collins, you said it. He's going to play better. That's why I say I'm content blaming this Colts loss on him because I know that's not going to happen again. The back-to-back turnovers, that kind of thing. Whatever, dude. I absolutely am all in on this week because the Lions have to win. They have to go 4-4. and So I'm going to pick the Lions, and I'm going to say it goes over. Yeah, this is a tough spot. I uh, I'm gonna take the Lions. I don't. I can't. I can't promise you the Lions are gonna win because they just looked so bad against the Colts. Um, Trent, I think you're right. I think the Vikings. They did play the game of their lives against the Packers. Um, I don't think that. I'm not really sold on the Vikings of being like some good team. Um, I, I. But either way, I just don't know what the Lions. It's just that's how it's gonna be. It's gonna be a touch and go basis for me. I'll take the Lions to cover. I think that minus four is a gift, or rather plus four for the Lions is a gift because I could see them losing by three. Oh, this over-under is so tough. Mm, I feel like every time the Lions and Vikings play each other, there's a lot of points. Am I wrong? I feel like there's just a lot of points all the time in these games. But the old- I don't know. There's a lot of weird endings the past, like, five years in these games. Uh... Trent, I got burned on taking the under against the Colts, so let's just flip it. It's going to be wrong. I'm going to take the over. Life's too short to bet the under. I'll take the over 53 and a half, and I'll take the Lions. Look, I, look I, you guys said it I mean, pretty much perfectly. You've got to stop the run. Dalvin Cook's their best, best asset. I mean, yeah, Kirk Cousins, Spartan Dog, shout out, but he's got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to throw to as well, so we can't forget about that. So that just could be – I don't know. The Lions got to show up, man. This is, again, I, I talked about the beginning of the show with the whole Michigan, Michigan State thing. I don't care who you think the Vikings are. You got to show up and play. It's the NFL. You can beat anyone on any given Sunday. So the Lions have to, like, show some signs of life. You're not going to have Kenny. You're not going to have Trey Flowers. I'd like to think that Justin Coleman is going to be back to his usual form if he's playing next week. It'd be nice for Desmond Trufant to put his jersey back on. Like you said, Trent, Austin Bryant, who knows if he's even still in the league. Um, I don't know, but I, I just still, t- t- I just can't, I, I can't get over this picture in my head of it's the Lions are going to line up for their first drive of the game, and they're going to have that zoom-in shot of Matthew Stafford, and I'm going to get a little peek at who the running back is in the backfield. It's going to be Adrian Peterson, and they're going to try to give him the ball 15 to 20 times, and it's going to ruin so my So stupid. So it, that's, that's tough. Um Last thing, the 90% yeah. of your game plan, Matt Patricia, needs to be stop the run. Practice it all damn week. Do what you got to do. 90% of your game plan needs to be that because even if you – I mean, I know I know Kirk Cousins. Yes, he is absolutely capable of beating you. We saw it last year on crossing routes all damn day. Just, oh, you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. Picking apart the middle of the field because the, the linebacking core is not good. I get it. That needs to be a point of emphasis as well. But if you stop the run and you at least make Cousins try to beat you, then you're airing it out. And I love Stafford's chances in that kind of a matchup. That's all I'm going to say. 
Yep. Uh, so we will see. Sunday, 1 o'clock, Lions at Vikings. Uh, before we do Trent's trifecta, we do have some Tigers news. Oh, boy. Ring the bells. This should be for some good discussion. Um, obviously, I'm sure as many people know by now, um, the Tigers have agreed to terms on a multi-year deal with A.J. Hinch to become the team's new manager. Um, to those of you who have been living under a rock in the baseball world over the past year, he was suspended from the Major League Baseball this most recent season due to his involvement in the Astros' sign-stealing scandal. Um, Hinch did play for the Tigers in 03. His record as a manager is 570 wins, 452 losses, uh, World Series champion with the Astros in 2017. Um, initially for me, I know when we talked about the Tigers way back when on the heels of Ron Gardenhire retiring and the season coming to an end, um, I do remember Ryan Collins bringing up AJ Hinch as one of the guys that he would have liked to have seen the Lions or the, the Tigers go get rather. Um, I was very adamant about not going to get this guy. And here I, I've kind of, my, my emotions have kind of subsided a bit as I've digested the hiring a bit more. I just thought, the optics of this were so bad. Like of all managers that you could have possibly gone to get, Marcus Timms was brought up as a name that you could go get, who's the Yankees hitting coach, obviously played for the Tigers for some years. Um, all these names that were getting brought up and just to see Cora and Hinch being like the two names that constantly came up of like, this is who the, the Tigers want to go interview I would just made me sick because like these both of these guys Hinch more so than Cora, and I'm sure Cora will get a job now. But Hinch was a part of one of the biggest scandals that the Major League Baseball has had in a very long time. Whether he was his involvement was uh, ex extreme involvement or little involvement in, in what went on, he was a part of it. And the Astros have taken a beating all year long is from, from fan bases all across the country and across baseball. And I just thought for the optics of it, it's just it's tough to swallow that of all the guys the Tigers could have hired, they get A.J. Hinch, who's, uh, who's got this checkered pass now. And it's something that he admitted himself in the press conference. It's obviously been a tough year for him and his family. I get it because the guy was out of a job. He was essentially exiled from baseball. And, you know, now he gets his shot with the Tigers. And I'll, I'll give him credit where credit's due. I mean, I, the sign-stealing thing obviously was a huge it's, – it's a huge thing and a huge advantage the Astros had with the way they were playing the game. But, I mean – the guy took them to a World State. They won the World Series in 17. I think they lost in the ALCS in 18 and then lost in the World Series in 19. So he's had success. And not that the Astros roster was as maybe as up in the air or I don't want to say bad, but as, as up in the air as the Tigers is now. But he took over an Astros team that was in a similar spot of a team that was trying to rebuild, had a lot of guys from – the system that not many people knew. And he made, you know, he turned that team into a championship caliber team. So as time has gone on in my eyes, is it tough to swallow? Sure. I mean, it, it'd be nice to not, you know, and now I got to deal with the Detroit cheetahs and all these, all this stuff that's, that's coming out now. Well, dude, it's just a bad look. It's just a bad look for the organization of all the guys you could have hired. Why? Like, Why? Because the guy, it was a part of one of the biggest scandals in Major League Baseball history. It's like hiring Pete Rose cool. as your manager. Cool. Let's win. That's all I care about. You scumbag. You know what? Yeah, yeah. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Nobody. I understand if you're New York Yankees or Dodgers 
or anyone who contended with the Houston Astros in those playoffs when they were cheating if you would be angry if they went out and hired one of those managers. I would understand that. As a Detroit Tigers fan, as this team has stunk the last three years, I do not care personally. If he shows like some sort of remorse and he's like, who cares? As a proven manager, got a team in the World Series without using the sign ceiling. People do forget that. I know people don't trust that that stuff wasn't going on in 2019. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't care. Just I, I don't think there's a lot of things in managing. Like hitting, I don't correlate hitting and managing together. But pitching, I do. And I, I always thought he kind of handled the Houston Astros pitching staff in the correct way. And I hate that he shifts as much as he does. But if this is a move that's like, hey, we're trying to win sort of in the next three years, then I like, like it, it seems like an aggressive move. And maybe I, I, I don't know if anyone in the league still like has respect or wants to play for it, but I, I, I think it's a big league move, honestly. And I hope it's maybe a sign of a move that possibly that this team is willing to spend more money and up the payroll a little bit in the next two years. I know they just cut back on it. I just would like to see if they they want to give it a shot to maybe jumpstart the rebuild a little bit. You know, Collins, you said something interesting about, you know, pitching. I, I, I agree. I don't think, you know, managing and hitting doesn't always correlate. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of – obviously, the, the lineup itself has a lot to do with manufacturing runs and that kind of thing. But, you know, pitching and the, the, way, you're, the way your pitching staff is, is constructed and making all those calls, you know, we saw with Cash and the Rays at the end of this World Series just exactly how much your management can affect the pitching and the bullpen and all that good stuff. But – so, so I guess you're right. A.J. Hinch did make it to a World Series without cheating. You know, who knows if that's actually true. I believe it to be true. And my thing is this. I want to back it up for a second because initially I did not like the hire. I was more on Rab's side of the optics of it. But that was really the only reason I didn't like it was because of the optics. Because if you look past that from a baseball perspective, this guy is proven. And, if you, and Collins and I talked in the Green and White Report last Sunday – the way the Tigers were able to perform in 2020, it almost took a year off your rebuild. I mean, it, it, it jump-started your rebuild by a full year, it seemed like, because you found a couple of young pieces that you weren't really expecting to find. And then, you you know, your one-year rentals on these veterans, you know, you might actually sign these guys long-term, or not long-term, but, you know, to another contract in terms of Crone and Scope and those, those fellas. Obviously, you're paying Miggy a ton of money. But the Detroit Tigers have money to spend, and bringing in a guy like A.J. Hinch is actually – I mean, that really improves your pitch that you can make to some of these free agents. And like, like we've all said, that betters your team in terms of, like, going forward, you're not going to stink for the next three years. You're actually going to, you know, compete and get back at – it kickstarts the rebuild, I guess is all I'm going to say, because I, I don't hate the move by any means. I was a little concerned with the optics of it, but – and, and, and Rabs, you said Cora's probably going to get a job now because let's be honest. I mean, right or wrong, those guys—they're kind of a steal on the market right now. If you need a manager, you've got two guys who lost their jobs, yes, because of scandals, but they weren't going to lose their jobs anytime soon without that happening. So you know, they're great proven managers. Your Tigers got one of them. I guess that's as a Detroit fan, you've got to be excited for it. You just have to. You have no other choice. If you want to be a little poo-poo about the you know the the optics of it. 
I totally get I, it. Because I honestly felt I like don't. As a fan, I don't get it. As a player, maybe. That's where, like, if you're a player in that organization, you're just like, hey, dude, like, I don't respect what was going on there. Like, I completely understand that. Yeah. As a fan of the Detroit Tigers, I don't get why people really care that much. I understand I, I don't get that. that way, like, initially off the bat. But if you look at it from a baseball, spe- baseball perspective, as we have now elaborated on, it's a – Borderline brilliant move. You got probably the best manager you could possibly get on the market with all things considered. No, I, I get that. I, I do. And that's why I'm saying the feelings have subsided a bit. I, I'm just saying more of back to the optics. It's the same reason why, why people or, or organizations didn't want to sign Kareem Hunt or didn't want to draft Joe Mixon. Or you see this thing with this, not that it's. Those are completely same... different things. I don't know, but I don't know. It's a morals and morals and ethics issue. Cheating, cheating in the game to win games. I get that it's not like domestic abuse, but I'm saying it. it you, you're like you don't get why Tigers fans are upset that they're getting a guy that was that was suspended for a year from baseball because he completely changed the entire game after all this stuff came out. So yeah, I'm well, not dying on thing. the hill of it being a bad hire or, like, it looking bad. I'm just saying, like, in baseball, like, Kevin Cash was a bullpen coach before he went to the Rays, and they were just in the World Series. They did the same kind yeah, of – And he just lost the did. World Series. Okay, well, would you rather be lose the World Series or would you rather win? Yeah, I, I understand that. I, would you? That's what I'm saying. That's what Hinch gives you a guy with a track record of being able to get there. And I'm not. I I don't totally believe that. Like he tried to stop it. I don't. I'm not going to be like that guy because I I saw like Detroit beat guy saying Hinch was the guy who tried to stop it. He got in trouble because he didn't try hard enough. Like I I, I don't believe that. I think it was a wink-wink situation. That's what I, I honestly, if he wins, I don't care about your past. That's and, 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 and it's and when I say I don't care about your past, this is not something that is irredeemable. Like something like maybe Joe Mitzen and those guys did because stuff, the stuff they did is almost unredeemable. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, a, a, I mean, it's a game. It's a game. Yes, yes. It's not I, like I, real life. To that point, would game. you say, I mean, Alex Rodriguez has redeemed himself absolutely. Maybe Yeah, not. because he did steroids. Who cares? That's what I'm saying. He cheated and everyone lied. Who cares? Everyone loves him on TV. All I'm going to say is this. If you just – we say it about the Lions all the time, to nauseum. Winning cures everything. So, yeah. it's that's it. I mean, you got to go into right. next season and you got to pick up the team that Gardenhire left you, which was actually pretty good. You know, had a chance to make the, make the playoffs in this – crazy COVID baseball year, but it's a positive. I don't know how you can look at this higher and not think that the Tigers are going to jumpstart the rebuild a little bit. You know what I mean? It, may, it takes a year off that process, in my opinion. Both given yeah, the no, way they played in 2020. And I, I mean, I don't know how much he like benefits that, but hiring a guy like this splashy and almost – like this is a hire that like – if the Tigers usually say the Tigers will hire Marcus Timms, that is not mentioned on Sports Center. You hire AJ Hintz, it's mentioned on. You know what I mean? Like this is a it, this move makes a splash. I don't know if it's a good or a bad one, but it shows like they're trying something and, and they're trying to get like a win. like they're not going in the easy way out. Like we're gonna pay this guy some low salary, some random guy, and we'll see if he can help these young. No, we're going to get a guy who is there to develop young guys like Carlos Correa, George Springer, 
and all these young, talented guys that the Astros had. And, and the Tigers have what, like the number two farm system in baseball? You need a manager who can help instill confidence in these guys and develop them. So I, I think it's a good hire. That's the other thing. Last thought from me is that A.J. Hinch is a little bit more new school. Garden hire was old school. Not saying that's a bad thing, but when you're dealing with these younger guys, garden hire kind of got you to where you need to be. You know, you're at the bus stop. I got to get on the bus. And I think Hinch is going to help you do that just because he's younger. He's a little more in touch with the way things are. Because you look at those Astros teams, those were those are relatively young teams. You know what I'm saying? So it's that to me is another asterisk here where like that could really help the Tigers moving forward given the fact that the core coming up now is a little bit younger than average. Yeah, like you said, Trent, if they win, I'm sure I'll get over it much, much quicker than if they stink. But, uh, all right, I mean, that's our Tigers talk for now. Obviously, there's a lot more to, to cover with uh, free agency and, and all that coming up and who the Lions are going to re-sign or they won't re-sign. Uh, maybe who they'll go out and get so we can get to that as the time comes. Let's finish today's episode with the trifecta trend. Awesome. Uh, first question here, and this is a, this is a very, I don't know how to, I don't know how to word this. This is a very controversial topic nowadays. Everyone, well, not, not in like a bad way. Just when is it too early to listen to Christmas music? Are you listening to Christmas music now that it's November or not? No, I wait till after Thanksgiving, but that's me. Okay. So, Collins, it sounds like you're not even that, like, upset about this, you know, because some people are, like, adamant about you can't listen to it until Thanksgiving. Seems like well, you're not that upset about it, but you just personally don't do it until Thanksgiving. I don't really care because some – I mean, there's some Christmas songs that have bangers and stuff, but I'm personally not dipping into the JB Christmas album, the NSYNC one, Ariana Grande, the, the new Ditsy D'Amelio, Liam Payne. Like, I'm not dipping into that until after Thanksgiving. Okay. Because, I don't know. Thanksgiving's in its own, but I'm like, I don't – Thanksgiving for me, like, music is like – I'm going to listen to, like, grunge music. I don't know what it is. Like, the in-between the Halloween and Thanksgiving, you're like, you know what? Or just, like, some, like, alternative, like, rock. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you listen to Dude, in Thanksgiving. You are, Thanksgiving. You are losing your mind. Dude, the, the Halloween to Thanksgiving, like, gap mind. is a weird gap, especially since, like, college football – is not the same, and we're not tailgating every week up here. And you, like, it's a kind of a weird gap now, where you don't really, you kind of just have school and nothing really else going on. I, I don't know. I, it, it, it's, I, no one even talks about the in between like Thanksgiving to like, do people like it? I, I, Trent, now you make me think like, what do I do in these three weeks? Well, I, let me tell you, I'll, I'll answer before Rabs does. Live. Maybe just live normally. I don't know why I just asked that question. Yeah, you just got to live. You got to live and breathe. Yeah, keep calm and carry on. You got to yes. watch the Michigan, Michigan State highlights every single day. That's what you I have, have been. Don't, yeah. let's, <laughs> let's not – I what's it called? I've been trying to watch the full game for like two days. No one's posted yet on a website. So, well, you see that. I mean, there you well. go. That's what you got to do, though, in, these, in this time. You got to eat good food. You got to you gotta listen to good music, all that good stuff. Get, maybe get back in shape. Oof. Yeah, maybe. maybe Had a rough maybe, weekend in the in shape department. Maybe you should get back in shape. If, if you're yes. out, I don't even know if you're out of shape but by your own standards. Well, let me, let me say this. My birthday is November 12th, 
So I kind of am right smack dab in the middle of Halloween and Thanksgiving. So my personal thing is this. I don't celebrate Christmas. I don't start celebrating Christmas doing the Christmas deal until the day after my birthday. That's when I put up the tree. Yeah. That's when I put up the lights. Because that, that, that's, that's a compromise, I feel like. That's two weeks after Halloween. And it's two weeks before Thanksgiving. It's not the full month. But, you know, I can kind of get into the spirit. Rabs, what do you think? I think the stretch from Halloween to Thanksgiving, it's, un, it's unappreciated because, like Colin said, you really don't know what to do. But I, I don't like to listen. I'm a big, like, when it's time to get going for Christmas, like, I get going. And I'm, I, I've think- all, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I also, when I used to study, and, like, you'd be, like, people will play white noise and stuff. I used to play, like, Christmas music to, like, get me to study. So I'm like a – like, in July it might come out. But Thanksgiving, to me, that stretch between Halloween and Thanksgiving is when you really have to appreciate, like, the fall weather, the fall outfits. You sneak another cider mill trip or two in. And then once Thanksgiving hits, like, you got football and you got food. Like, the, like the lead-up into Thanksgiving a couple days before into Thanksgiving – you have to like, – that's the thing. If you start playing Christmas music now and start putting up Christmas decorations now, you're, like, jumping ahead and you just kind of, like, mentally skip Thanksgiving. So day after Thanksgiving or, hell, even after the Thanksgiving meal, then it's, like, let's go, like, it's Christmas time for me. All yeah. Right. What's it all? I think it's more Christmas movie. After Thanksgiving, I'm more, like, Vietnamese. Like, I, I, like, I won't have any of it. Like, if you watch a Christmas movie, like – November 3rd, like, I, I, I'm judging you. Like, yeah, Christmas music, it, there's just so many bangers from Christmas music. I think you can get away with it. Like, and I'm not saying there's not bangers in the Christmas movie department, but I feel like you need to be more in the December mood to watch a Christmas movie. Yeah, I, I hope this Christmas season just doesn't suck. Like, if the if COVID ruins – that's it the might, thing, dude. like, like Halloween, Halloween, was, Halloween was tough because, obviously, like, if I – my play was in a normal world. I'd be just back in East Lansing getting after, especially after the Michigan State win. But, you know, you got to make smart decisions for yourself and for your family. And so I can just see, like, is shopping going to be the same? Like, are you going to be able to go no, and dude. do, like, Christmas thing? Like, I don't even know. And then, like, come Christmas, it's going to be, like, depressing because all you're going to have to hear about for the entire Christmas season is, like, oh, well, it's, it's winter and it's cold and everyone's getting COVID, so – don't, well, don't hang I, out with yeah. your family and don't go to church for Christmas. Yeah. Eh, dude, not to sound like a bad Catholic or something, church is kind of the worst part of Christmas. I'm sorry. Oh, dude, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> not trying you to be like a bad. I, I know I went my, I know my parents are going to be listening. Dude, I went to Northern Come Prep. on. They're probably so disappointed in me, but there's just you too gotta much You got to go on excitement. Christmas Eve. You I go do, Christmas dude. Eve. I do every year. Oh, I go to Christmas legend. Eve every year. Veteran, veteran. Every single year. I'm not saying I. I love going to church, but I'm just saying there's just too much excitement because we got our family. We got our like my dad's side of the family party after, and like Ooh. we're getting after it there. We're getting gifts there. Like when I was younger, like I I was when you're like ten and you have to wait, and you have to sit somewhere for an hour and a half. Oh yeah. While you're thinking like. Did I get the yeah. NBA live video game I asked for for my cousin? <laughs> like, it, I, I don't know. I maybe maybe now I don't really. I I mean I probably embrace a little bit more. I don't know. I'm just saying. No, that's that's good. All good all good topics here. We're gonna stay on the hollow not Halloween. We're gonna stay on the holiday topic for the yes. second question. What was the best Halloween costume you saw this weekend? 
Ooh. Best, most like like just like the best or the the funniest. What did you? Ju- I'll go first. Actually, I saw Steve Irwin the Crocodile Hunter. Apparently, it was Colin's old roommate. So I don't know. I, I mean, there could have been one or two. Steve Irwin's running around, but my roommate was Steve Irwin. Yeah, so. no, I got a real kick out of that. I loved it. So I, I wanted to. That's why I, I wanted to tell you about that. Well, TB's costume was fantastic. He was Montley Crew. Did it up. You saw that, right, Rabs? Yeah, I did see that. It was fun. I did see that. That was nice. What's it called, Rabs? Were you? I know. Were you? Were there kids in your neighborhood? You're yeah, I, house, right? I, I mean, yeah, that's that was the thing is so we were trying to figure out how to do the candy this year with the COVID. And my dad was saying, like, he's like, we don't even have to put candy out anyway, because there's only like six kids that ever come by. And that's true. Like the Halloween number, the trick or treating numbers have been down. But I also made the argument that like, it's all a cyclical thing, right? Like you grow up when you're a kid, you grow up with your neighborhood kids. And you guys do the trick-or-treating. And once you age out, it takes some time for the next wave, the next generation of families with kids to come in. So this year I did actually, my mom put a little table at the end of the driveway with like some like ridiculous, like uh, take two to like take two to be fair or take three if you dare, like one of those things. So And yeah, all the kids probably kids. took like a million. Well, I saw, I see, I saw, I mean, there were kids out there. There were parents taking pictures. I just, dude, it was, it was so sad. Like not being able to have someone like knock on your door and like do the whole trick. If if I was if if there were kids knocking on doors, I probably would have dressed up and would have been giving out candy, like chatting up, like nice Iron Man costume, bro, like all that stuff. But it just wasn't the case. Very sad. As far as best costumes I saw, I mean, I'll tell you what I hated. Want to hear what I hated? I hated the uh, I hated the Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin stuff. Couldn't stand that. I thought I you told the, me that's what you were going to be for Halloween this year after no. we were in quarantine. What? I think he did. I think he did. You did. That. You said <laughs> that during quarantine. I'm not even. I don't think I ever did. That's, that's I think you did. incredible that you guys would make that up. But I didn't. Make I didn't that like up. that. Okay. I didn't like. I didn't like the TikTok like inf- like the TikTok e boys like influencer stuff. And then of course I hate to rag on the girls, but in college like all the girls dresses the same stuff. You get the cats, you get the devils, you get like the housemaids. It's all the same stuff. There's no creativity whatsoever with the girls. Okay. I, okay. Um, Best costume I saw. You're not acting like you don't like him. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying there's no. Let's all be there. honest here. Come on. Um, best costume I saw. Don't know. I, I I thought all like the people that would like tape like a piece of paper that said 2020 on it. Like that was stupid too. Like like well f- like funny. It's like something my mom would do. Like the, like not funny at all. But they think it's I'm really, really funny. I don't know. Mom today. No, I'm not. Yeah, no, relax, dude. Come on. Tell us about your mom. Come on. No, no, she's uh, she made a decent meal tonight. It shrimp. <laughs> oh wow, jeez. It's unbelievable. We just have it. We have it all the time. It's just the same. Okay, I mean I, that way, that is about, that is. I mean, you should apologize to your mom right now. That no, was unbelievable, I dude. I just I don't know. I didn't see any great costumes. Wasn't happy with it. Okay, I, whatever, I mean, dude. I, Halloween sucked this year. It's shitty. I'll say this. I the best costume I saw is uh this one one of my buddies one is Cleopatra like a dude and it was so funny. It just it, it was a funny costume. So shout out to guess you had guess you had to be there. No, it was it was it was a good costume. I guess he I mean he's one of my buddies' friends, but 
I'd consider him a friend too. But he was giving me the backstory. His buddies buy him a Halloween costume every single year, and he doesn't have any say-so in it, and he just wears it regardless of what it is. And his buddies issued him a Cleopatra costume. He worked it. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was a good costume. Shout out Deeds. Yeah, shout out Cleopatra too. That's that's great. A- yeah, great. It was so funny. I was laughing so. Oh, good right, costume. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you got some enjoyment out of that. Let me say that. I did. My third question for the trifecta is a little lazy, but it's more of just an interest thing. Are you guys? Do you guys know how to play euchre, the card game? You know. Yes. How- um, I, <laughs> I do, but it's one of those things where every single time I play, someone has to re-explain it to me. Oh, I also Lord. don't think Euchre's that fun. I really don't. Okay. Uh, and the podcast has ended. I'll no, see no, no, you guys. No, you know what? You know what? That's why. No, 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 no. That's my other thing too. Is the people that are so like they're like Euchre defenders because like oh, it's a Midwest thing. It's a it Michigan is. thing. Like, dude, like, take What's it easy, dude. That? It's a card game. It's a card game. That is a Midwest, specifically Michigan, card game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. not that fun. And I don't – I also not – I'm not good at it, and it has to be explained to me every time I play. But well, to, 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 to die on the hill of, like, oh, like, Euchre, like, it's, oh, it's a Mich- – it's unbelievable. Like, you don't know how to play Euchre. Like, like, miss me with that. It's a card game. Well, once I, you know how to play, there's a little strategy involved, but it's mostly just the hand you're dealt. It's just like any other card game, so it's fun. I never get good hands either. It's, the deck is always stacked against me. I don't get it. It's whatever. I, I'm just uh, – I'm very disappointed. That was the most unrabs answer of all time, by the way. <laughs> I did not expect to hear those words muttered out of his mouth. Yeah, that was pretty – that threw me for a loop as well. Oh, my God. You're just fantastic. It's the best up north game ever. I I, I get what Rabs is saying because I – I know people who are like, oh, uh, you man, let's play Euchre. Like, and everyone's – it's like the end of the night. Someone wants to play Euchre at one thirty-five in the morning. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I'd rather, like, watch a movie and fall asleep. They're like, no, let's keep it going and play Euchre. And you're, and you're just playing, like, an hour Euchre game. I'm like, this is brutal. <laughs> Euchre is a fantastic game, my favorite card game, but it needs to be played in the right circumstances. So, okay. I – it, it – it, it, not it's not an every night game, but it's a uh, it's fantastic. Like you, you, it's like Euchre catches hot streets when you start playing it. You're like, ooh, yes. we should be, we should play this more. Like, why aren't we playing this more? That's and then you're like, for like a week and a half, you play it like every night, and then you take like a little like three week break, and then you get you get back into the mix. Well, over quarantine, my dad shout out my dad taught all of us how to play euchre. My entire family. shout out Mr. Bally. The other four Come of them. My mom and my two brothers and I taught us how to play euchre. And then we all just – it was a quarantine thing. Like, we just played it, like, all the time. It, you know, play some cards at night. Play some music in the background. Fantastic. If you're old enough, Fantastic enjoy game. Drink. Enjoy a drink if you're old enough. It was just so much fun. So, that's my thing. I just wanted to – I wanted to know – Raps, I can't believe you don't like euchre. That's crazy. I don't, I don't, I don't, dis, I don't dislike it. Like, I, I always – that's the thing. You have to understand – I don't have a lot of – like, not a lot of my friends are Euchre players. So, when I ever get involved in a Euchre game, they're few and far between. I enjoy being a part of it because it's, like, nice to change it up a bit. I'm just saying, like, when you're getting into it and you're, like, going on an hour, it's like, okay, like, this is kind of a lot. And then Well, I get, that's I the problem. Have... You can't – the problem with Euchre is it's – you can't play when you're, like, actually, like, hammered. And that's, like, half the, half the games you play in college. 
Like yeah. that, I'm like, like guys, like they're playing with the speaker, they're telling the story what happened at the bar that night. I'm like, guys, you got a lock in here. This is like taking way too. Someone's looking at their phone, got a text message, not paying attention. Like it, it, it's just a disaster sometimes. Some people are also so good at euchre, like they make moves and don't even say anything, and it's just like acknowledged by the rest. Like I've been, I have been way in over my head sometimes, and like at work when I was interning the last two summers, I would go down to the box office meetings, and the guys in the box office were like unbelievable. It, you like the hands move so fast. I'm like, I don't even know what cards love I have. That. I love that. It's just, just yeah. Just guess what? They love the game. It's a fit. <laughs> I think it's every. I, I don't. Who taught you raps how to play euchre? One of my buddies. Like I just because like it, again, it came down to let's play euchre. Oh, I never played before. Okay, we'll show you. Like you had to like learn as you play. And every single time I play, I have to learn as I play again. I have to relearn the game every time. I will say this: if I have a son, that is like the one main thing I will teach him before he goes to college to play euchre because that is such an advantage in making friends or something. Say, hey, does anyone want to play oh, euchre? Dude. How you really make friends by not made friends, but you're just like, people. hey, does anyone play euchre? And there's always that one guy who's like, I don't know how to play, well, and then and, and they, they just have to sit it out, and you're just like, <laughs> God, this stinks. I'm like, hey, hey, I I don't want my kid to be that guy. I can honestly say that in a COVIDless world, if someone at a party were to come up to me and ask me to play euchre, I would be ecstatic. Yes, delighted. It's play, fantastic. Play some euchre, absolutely. I love it. So whatever. Fantastic. That's I just wanted to get a gauge on the demographic of our age here um, for, for you. It's so good, dude. It is such a good game. It's, it's great. Such a good game. Fantastic. Well, that's you all can I play got. any other card game, like in a relaxed, I don't know, relaxed setting, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. What's the game we played with Julian when we, when we shredded the calf and then the one time I went to the old Ryan Collins Riverview apartment? Well, that was a different night, and I was <laughs> we played Ride the Bus. <laughs> That's not that's not a card game. It's a drinking game. So, <laughs> right. that was unreal. Were you there, yeah, Trent? You were there. No, no I, he wasn't. Wasn't. But I remember hearing about this. No, oh, yeah. but I just kept. I the best part of the night was all I all I wanted to do was play two K, and I finally sit down. I'm like, Colin, let's play two K. And he, he just like looks at me. He's like, I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> like what? Watch Hitch. Well, I'm like twice. I'm like please, yeah, I'm like please. He's like, I can't, dude. Oh, that's great. Also, I, uh, Trent. That I was right that. when quarantine hit. It was, yeah. I did not, um, Trent. I'm sorry, I did not get back to you as far as the call that you. Yeah, gave me wait, at wait, wait. Okay. In the morning. I, have to, I have to air this out for a second. I called Rabs at two like two a.m., dude. Two a.m. But I think it was the it was the second two a.m. On, you know, because we got 2 a.m. twice because we felt we fell back. We gained it out. So it was 3? It was 3 a.m. Mentally, but it was 2 on the clock. So I called Ravs. I just left him a message. I said, hey, when you're done with your coaches meeting, get your ass to East Lansing. I got both my brothers. <laughs> I want to watch the Lions game with you. I do too. Let's go. Let's roll. Get, get here. Never heard back from him. Okay. Okay. Never now let back. me tell my side of the story. I remember I was I was like asleep and I like kept that night I had my phone in my bed with me for some reason and I like felt it vibrating and I was like oh it's like time to wake up already and I roll over and see it's 2 a.m and I saw I had a missed call from Trent and I just assumed that he was like like I have a good like I've got like that mother's feeling of like when something's wrong so I knew nothing was wrong he was just calling me yeah so 
the next morning when I actually wake up, I see that I have a voicemail from Trent and I have an Instagram DM from Brock, Trent's brother. Oh and, boy. and Brock, oh boy. Brock was like, he was like, hey man, he's like, just wanted to see. He's like, me, Miles, and Trent are going to be watching the game tomorrow. We're trying to get Collins on board. Like, just ho- wanted to see. And like, Brock's a legend. Like, I loved it. So I was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I can't make it. And then. I listened to Trent's voicemail as I was getting out of the car to go to the coaches meeting and Trent had it all laid out. He was like, you finish the meeting at this time. He's like, you're on the road by this time. You're sitting down here. And what the bottom line was we had our coaches meeting at 1030. I walked out of there at like 1230. So I didn't have time to make it up there, but I told you guys I'll come. I'm going to find a time to come up. It was just not in the cars this weekend with everything going on. So I don't know, but that's funny. That's just why that's just, that was uh that's that's just trend for you. Good old trend. Well, that, yeah, that's okay. I, I can't condemn you for not buying into my last minute plans at the second two AM on November first when we so when funny. Because I, know I woke up I, read, I woke up and read the message. Actually, no, I, I might have like read it like in bed and I like yeah, fell asleep. I texted asleep. Collins too, basically the same thing. I was like, get over here for the Lions game. I was, and then I was like in my heart of hearts, I'm like you know what? That sounds great. And then I, in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do that. I just, <laughs> like, it's just one of those things. Like I'm not, I'm not going to commit to something. I know I, I physically won't be able to get up. before <laughs> nine in the Oh, that's, that's all good. That's all good. I will just say there's nothing I love more than a little last minute throw together plan. I love that. That's like a, that's a staple of who I am. I love Yeah. That. Yeah. That's why you're the man. And um, I would love to watch more than one Lions game with you guys in my career as we have now <laughs> done this podcast for two and a half years together. And the pandemic, we can watch every game together for the rest of your life if you want. Well. Find the cure. Find the cure and we're, you're in. <laughs> yeah, dude, we're going like silent about like the vaccine. I'm getting a little nervous about this. <laughs> like, That's why. Well, hey, if you listen to the president of the country, you know, the, the vaccine, we're getting one soon. Every oh yeah, that's time. going on tomorrow too. Oh, it's my. election day tomorrow. Let's I'm go. I'm just turn my TV off. Just like I don't. This know. is Dude, like I remember. It's awesome. I love election. Coverage. Yeah, I try. I will. I agree. When I was I, I in watch 16, it, I usually watch it every year. I, I'm in 16, when I was a freshman at Michigan State, I was obviously eligible to vote being 18, and I voted at IM East. I'll never forget it. That was that's a that's a cool tidbit. I voted at IM East. Um, and I remember me and my roommates were up like so late watching the election card. It's like watching a sports game. It's like yeah. one guy's up. We're calling this. We're calling like it's it's pretty. It is cool. kind of a lot. This year, this no, year I think I'm gonna stop. And there's no commercials. Yeah, th- this year I think I'm just gonna go to sleep and wake up on Wednesday, and I'll like come downstairs for breakfast. Be like, hey mom, like who won? And she's gonna tell me who I'm like, oh, all right, sounds well, sounds good because y- y'all. Until a couple days after, because all the mail-ins. That's the thing. That and that and that to me, dude, is like so comical. How like like the winner, like it's like if Trump if Trump loses, he's like not gonna like they're gonna have to like like drag him out of office and like if Biden like it's gonna be under protest. Like who knows, dude? Just let me know. Just let me know. I, whatever. Yeah, let whatever. me know. I'm so um, all right. I'm so happy I don't have to see another Gary Peters or John James commercial. Yeah, or I get, I get I get a hundred texts. I get a hundred texts a day. I get the phone calls. I can't even watch a YouTube video because I got a thousand ads. It's out of control. By the way, dude. John James is not, that's not his real name. That can't be his real name. I, Why? John James is maybe I the most vanilla name I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> like I like Mike John. Smith. Like yeah, was he like a? 
old timer from like Great Britain in 1830. Like, I don't know. Know what I mean? I don't know. That just doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know what you mean. It's a pretty. Also, Gary Peters has been in office, I think, longer than I've been alive. Yeah, I know. I don't. I, that's. I agree, dude. I feel Is like Debbie Stabenow still around? I don't even know. <laughs> I just remember all these names. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know what the policies are. That's great. Yeah. I'm me too. Whatever. That's the voting youth of America. That's us. I'm a. I'm a big sounds good man. 2020. Whatever you yeah. want. Just let me know. <laughs> Keep me informed. All right. That is going to be it for today's episode of the Motown Rundown for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore Rundown on Twitter or on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Don't miss a single episode of the show. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. New episodes every single week. We will see you next time.